Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. pandemonium in the fantasy football world ahead of week seven lineups were already not looking too hot thanks to the dread and destruction that are bye weeks and now there's this rumor of deshaun watson potentially being traded again i just picked him up in my league and dropped my kicker to hold on to i don't know what's going on i had a beautiful intro all set up here on the breakout football podcast on the believe podcast network but instead, throwing it out the window because there is just so much going on. And look, we will get to all of it. I promise you that. We have a lot to talk about. Over 40 players, trade candidates, players to start, players to sit, players to sell high on, players to buy low, our weekly superlatives, 10 picks on 10 players, and so much more. But right now, I am just spinning because if Deshaun Watson is traded, that changes a lot of things. Of course, we won't spend much time on that if any but I had to pick your brain real quick because I hopped on here having this whole intro in mind it was beautifully set out about how bye weeks suck everything we got to talk about but now these rumors seem to be really picking up steam and I don't know what to think it's probably an overreaction but I just want to get your thoughts on it because if a Deshaun Watson trade does happen anytime soon there it is everything's out the window pandemonium oh my gosh I can't wait I mean, it's it's an insane situation, especially with what's going on with the Texans so far this season, where he's listed as four string on the depth chart. He's not really practicing. We don't really have much intel on on just the progression of the trade talks at all since since they began over the off season. So it, it's interesting, especially because I mean, I feel like I feel like Tua Tua has played like all right. He hasn't played spectacular, but I feel like he's played decent this season. And obviously that chemistry with Waddle is, is apparent. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the Dolphins selected him at number six overall was because of, of that Alabama chemistry between the two. So I think Mm -hmm. it could, it could shake up a lot of things. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure how both players would, would react to that, but obviously Deshaun Watson is, is in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in this league in terms of play. And he would, he could definitely elevate the dolphins. I really am sorry. I did not expect to talk about Deshaun Watson right away. No, you're amped. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm amped. It just felt like something that needed to be said right away. And look, I can get into the poverty that is the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans for that matter. And whether they should have been smashing the panic button, heck, this may not even happen. This may be all in overreaction, but I guess that kind of ties into a lot of what fantasy football is. You know, we take what we know, we make predictions about what we think can happen. And for the most part, we are wrong. Yeah. What I do Rose. know, Zach, is that you have a Tua jersey sitting behind your right shoulder. <laughs> is there a chance that jersey changes in the following weeks? I don't know. According to reports, it could happen. I mean, look, Aaron, <laughs> who, who are some of the guys? Aaron Wilson. Uh, oh, my gosh. A lot of the guys down in Houston who are pretty reliable are saying all these things. So I don't really know. When it happens, we can talk about it a bit more on here. Obviously, during the offseason, we'll transition more into like a little NFL draft stuff, football in general. But for now, we do have a lot of fantasy football to talk about. We don't have a guest this week, but we do have a very, very awesome guest for next week. I still can't believe it. So stay tuned for that. But for now, I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network. That's Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. We didn't even get into the introductions. Like, that's how, that's no. how crazy this podcast started off. The Deshaun Watson news is more important than our names. Come on now. Right. And at this point, it's not even news. Like, I, I may be breaking the biggest rule in journalism, which is going off of rumors and not news. But, hey, whatever. We still got fantasy football to talk about, starting with our weekly superlatives. So why don't you kick things off? Yeah, I got the most ridiculous ranking, and to me, that's Patrick <laughs> Mahomes because this dude is quarterback two on the season and leads quarterbacks in touchdowns despite throwing the second most interceptions this season. I don't think anyone but Mahomes could probably accomplish this feat. What about you, Zach? I, I guess. 
like, look, I mean, the quarterback landscape is always, there's always like five or six of them at the top who are just awesome in every aspect of the way. So I, I guess that would make sense. I, I went with the superlative that's also a little more positive, uh, most likely to quietly bounce back. I have gotten a lot of questions about Miles Sanders. And look, let's be real. He's not been good, especially for where you probably drafted him. He was probably your third or fourth draft pick. He's been a big disappointment. But two weeks ago, his snap count jumped by nearly 10% to 74.6% of the Eagles' snaps. This past week, it jumped again to 82.7%. That is a juicy number. He was one of six running backs to play over 80% of a team's snaps this week, just to put that into perspective. So suddenly, Sanders is seeing a lot of playing time. Meanwhile, Kenneth Gainwell's usage has dipped. He's faded into irrelevancy. I don't expect Sanders to become a weekly starter, uh, especially with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, uh, but the usage may slowly get him back up to flex status. And I think it is worth of note that his schedule over the next three weeks is pretty darn glorious. The teams in their rank against opposing fantasy running backs are as follows. The Raiders, 28th. Lions, last. Chargers, 23rd. So he's getting that golden opportunity after facing two top five teams in that metric the past two weeks. I think Sanders is slowly going to start building up a little bit more goodwill with fantasy managers moving forward. Yeesh, that, that usage was looking lethal for a long time. I think he had, what, four carries in one week? Like, the Eagles just kind of forgot they had a backfield, and now they're actually trying to use him. Yeah, he was playing, like, 50, barely 60% of the snaps, just wasn't getting goal line usage, and now they're kind of like, oh, hey, we uh, we got Miles Sanders back there. So that's my first superlative. Yeah, I mean, he was in the breakout football podcast doghouse a few weeks ago, too. So it's good to see him uh, on the positive side of things again. And continuing with, with the positive side of our superlatives, I've got the biggest emergence to fantasy relevance. And for me, that is New York Giants rookie wide receiver Kadarius Tony, also University of Florida, not alum, but he's, he's from there, along with Zach Cohen, wide receiver 17 over the last three weeks really emerged for the Giants, who are finally figuring out how to use him, a la Rondale Moore-esque usage, 19 catches for 303 yards, 50 PPR points. I mean, all that's left for him is to find the end zone, but I really like Tony moving forward. Mm -hmm. it, seems, it seems like the Giants are making an effort to get him the ball and take advantage of kind of those, those uh, human joystick maneuvers he employs so often. And even if, like, the entire Giants offense comes back and is healthy, I still think he's going to be a stable in that offense because they just spent a first-round pick on him. They've been using him a lot. They really, Like you said, they've been manufacturing ways to get him the ball. Yeah, they're investing so, in him, right? Right. So I think even if Darius Slayton comes back and Kenny Galladay comes back and Saquon Barkley comes back, Tony should still be uh, maybe the wide receiver, two in that offense. Who knows? He's certainly been a surprise, but my final superlative before we fling some players at each other and some takes, biggest season surprise. I could never have guessed that Leonard Fournette would be a weekly starter, but here he is. He's been a huge surprise. He's RB16 in points per game, and over the last three weeks, he's RB5 in points per game. And this is a Bucks team that was promised to be pass heavy, but in the last three games, Fournette's seen 20 carries, 12 carries, and then 20 carries again while averaging five targets a game. Like, what? This isn't the Fournette we saw in Jacksonville. Then again, Jacksonville is where most top draft picks go to die. But Fournette is someone who is a weekly starter from this point forward. And I just, I would have never have guessed it. Good for him and good for you if you have Fournette on your roster. Yeah, unfortunately, I drafted Ronald Jones. Oh, yeah, so. no. I was very anti both Bucks running backs, but actually I was very pro Giovanni Bernard, which hasn't really worked mm. out. But I, yeah, Fournette, what a very nice surprise. So those were our superlatives. Now we'll get into 10 takes. You know the drill at this point. We'll each rotate players. So the other person has to give a take on. Why don't you kick things off? Give me a player to talk about. And I already feel like I know the direction you're going in. Yeah, yeah. What we were saying earlier, uh, right over your right shoulder, Zach, Tua Tagovailoa. Tell me about him. Mm. So Tua Tagovailoa, and I don't blame you, by the way. It's not even uh, the announcers. Wait, did I say, did I say Tagovailoa? Dude, I think because there's an N in there, and no one ever gets the N. Like it's it's silent. You don't see it, but it's pronounced tongue. Like 
you know, oh, there's tongue. an N. Okay. Yeah. Tongue, but I don't, tongue most of Iloa. Yeah, okay. most people don't get it. So. I thought it was always just a tug, like a tug of Iloa, but tongue. It's a very tongue of faint Iloa. N. It's kind of, okay. you know, it's one of those things not a lot of people get. It's fine. but We're learning we use... pronunciation here on the Breakout People <laughs> podcast. We, we help you in all facets of life, whether it's fantasy or just grammar and pronunciation. Well, anyway, speaking of Tua, maybe that's why people just call him Tua. Uh, <laughs> look, aside from all these trade rumors, whether he goes, I think he'll be a good fit in Washington. I think New Orleans should call for him, but I think the likely destination will probably be Washington. He's a player I actually have a, as a start in my weekly start sit column this week. So I'll give you a little long-term glimpse here. I do think he's fine enough to be a you know, matchup-based starter for your team. But if you don't mind, I'd like to read the excerpt that I have with him in my start-sit column on the Draft Network, which is live right now. So here's what I wrote. In his return from IR, Tungavailoa posted 21.4 points on a whopping 47 pass attempts. I don't expect him to see that type of volume against Atlanta, though the Falcons' defense has been pretty kind to quarterbacks. After all, they did allow Taylor Heineke to score 27.9 points in week four. Tungavailoa may not have much upside, but his floor is high enough to warrant a spot in your lineup. And scene. So that's kind of how I think his outlook is this week. I think long-term, he's definitely someone who should be rostered. He may be a solid backup maybe a starter every now and then uh if he stays in the dolphins if there's a trade at this point then we'll have to completely scrap the entire show and start over uh, if there's a trade i really like him in washington though because mm-hmm. obviously heineke he's he's this shiny new toy but definitely you know he's he's the type of toy that breaks down after a few windups you right. know I, I i don't know i think tua and, and terry mclaurin would be a, a brilliant combo yeah, if I'm New Orleans, I'm trying to trade for him too because you can you don't have to start him right away. You can kind of mm-hmm. ride with Jameis, but then it's like you have a young player you can actually bank on outside of like Ian Book. But I don't think anyone wants to bank on Ian Book. One player he should probably bank on, the former first overall pick, Joe Burrow. What's your take on him? I mean, that dude's trajectory is pointed up in my opinion. And I had my reservations about Burrow coming into this season. Didn't know how he was going to play with the, with the knee injury. I thought Chase was, you know, going to be a good addition for the Bengals, but I thought they maybe should have invested in the offensive line a little bit more. Burrow, he still needs to learn how to slide, but the chemistry with Chase is evident that that duo can just overtake this offense completely fly it to the moon the Bengals are content to let burrow cook he's averaging 33 pass attempts over the last uh three weeks and i think the only thing holding him back is he just keeps throwing picks i think i wish he just make it more than a week without throwing an interception yeah it tends to happen when you put so much faith into one of your young quarterbacks because those are the type of players who are going to take risks when they probably shouldn't you kind of look at josh allen's progression right now and how he's really tried to mitigate that and not be the hero every time. I think that's kind of the stage Joe Burrow needs to get at to take that next step. So a couple quarterbacks right there. Uh, you got another player for me. Let's keep this ball rolling. Yeah, we've talked about Antonio Gibson the last two weeks in the podcast, but yeah. let's pivot to another Washington running back, J.D. McKissick, which, I mean, can you even call him a running back at this point? He's just more of a, a pass catcher, like – J.D. McKissick, PC. I wouldn't even call him a wide receiver at this point. And I've gotten a lot of questions about starting him this week, but that's not going to be something we won't know until Sunday. As of today, Antonio Gibson was not. I'm going to keep talking about Gibson. Make it three straight weeks, baby. That's a record. Uh, As of today, he was a non-participant, but he was also a non-participant at this time the last two weeks. So if Gibson's fully good to go, then I probably wouldn't start McKissicky maybe a little too risky. Uh, if Gibson's banged up, if it is confirmed that Gibson is not 100% healthy or he's on a snap count or he's limited, kind of like he was last week, he was banged up, then I would consider McKissick as a flex for sure. But if Gibson's out, start McKissick, go scoop up Jarrett Patterson. Look, we've spent a lot of time talking about these two guys, and I said to sell high on Gibson a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, I didn't foresee him being injured, but it was more so due to McKissick's role if anything were to happen to Gibson let alone what his role is with Gibson in the lineup McKissick has always been the main third down back and last game kind of showed what he can do when Gibson isn't in every play because he was taking a few rests every now and then he kind of took over on valuable downs while Gibson was just tending to his shin injury 
So McKissick is very valuable moving forward. He's got upside to be a, a bell cow running back in that offense. And maybe, maybe split a little more time with Jarrett Patterson, the rookie. But for now, there's just not enough info for what you should do with McKissick or Gibson this week for that matter. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting, too, because we've never really seen McKissick in like a workhorse role. So we don't mm-hmm. even know if he's like adept to really handle it. Um, I mean, right. here at Arizona State, our, the running back that plays for the Sun Devils, his name is Rashad White, and he only had four games, tore up the Pac-12 last year, but so far has like struggled with injuries as he's, you know, tr- tried to handle a full, full workload this season. So I'm, I'm just kind of wondering the same thing with McKissick. Like if Gibson were to go down for a long period of time, would McKissick be adept to like handle that role? Or are we going to see a little bit more of the same thing with, per- with Patterson sliding back into that? I feel like Patterson would take a little bit of Gibson's workload. It's just notable that McKissick has been seeing valuable carries. Like he and Gibson have Mm -hmm. split goal line work. They've split red zone work. And McKissick has been getting carries on third down, let alone basically every third down play. So I think Patterson would be a great pickup. He was someone I looked to get in this week's waivers. Um, But instead, I picked another player who we will talk about in a little bit. But for now, I want your thoughts on Elijah Mitchell, a rookie running back for San Francisco. Dealt with a couple of injuries. Wait, Elijah Mitchell? Did I say Elijah Mitchell? No, I totally meant uh, Chuba Hubbard. I jumped (laughs) the gun there. Whoops. Sneak peek preview. I want your thoughts on Chuba Hubbard, though, because so much is being made about that Carolina backfield right now. Like, should it be McCaffrey? Is Hubbard good enough to take over? I certainly have some thoughts, but I got to know what you think. I mean, I think he's, he's filling in nicely while McCaffrey has been injured. And what Matt Rule said is he wants to run the ball even more. I think he's, he said he wants to change the identity of this team. And I, I feel like right now – Carolina is, I mean, they're leaning on Darnold a little bit more, but they've all, their, their offenses always run through like a, a pass catching running back. And, and Hubbard has 13, 24, and 16 attempts over the last three weeks, over 200 yards in that span and a touchdown. I think there is volume that Hubbard has in Carolina that he can take advantage of. And so I, I, I'd throw him out in the starting lineup, especially during this bye week stretch. 100%. He's being used similarly as McCaffrey. So do you think like he can really keep up that type of workload when McCaffrey comes back? Like is Hubbard going to be still be anything? I mean, I think he'll see definitely some pace work. I, I just think when McCaffrey's on the field, he just has abilities and, and just that, that pass catching prowess that no other running back in the league can match. I mean, that's why he's running back one this season and, and the last. Mm-hmm. Definitely someone to keep on the rosters, though, because I'm, I'm starting to really doubt McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. One of the matter. best handcuffs in the league, for sure. Yep. Their durability is really concerning me right now. Yeah, I mean, and talking about durability in that 49ers running back uh, backfield, it seems like they, it's kind of a rotating circus. Elijah Mitchell is now the player we're going to talk about this week. Um, mm-hmm. Your thoughts on him, Zach? So here's where Mitchell comes in. And that backfield has been one heck of a ride. There was one point where Mitchell looked like he was destined for fantasy greatness. That's yet to happen, but mostly due to a missed time from an injury. And I'm not expecting him to bounce back anytime soon either. At least that's mostly as long as Trey Lance is under center. And Lance has also been dealing with injuries. He may not even play this week. So Jimmy Garoppolo comes in. Then I do like Mitchell a bit more. But for right now, in week five, Lance ran 16 times, whereas Mitchell only ran nine times on just 67.7% of the team's snaps. It's tough to really buy into Mitchell when Lance is being treated like the primary running threat. And I'm not really buying into this idea that Lance is going to just immediately go back to the bench with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, active on this roster. And Trey Sermon's looming present also isn't that great. Is it possible Mitchell, Mitchell breaks out? Yeah, but he deserves a roster spot unless Trey Sermon were to overtake him. I mean, how, how many weeks is Trey Lance going to outrush Mitchell in? That's, that's my question. Probably not many, but look, when you're getting 16 rushing attempts to your starting running backs, nine, that's simply something to keep an eye on for fantasy. Uh, one other player who you should definitely keep an eye on, and I'm so glad you're bringing this person up. 
because the Browns have like nobody left on their offense for Thursday night's game against Denver, mm-hmm. but they got a person there. Hell, they got Peoples Jones. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, DPJ, 26.1 PPR points last week, over 100 yards receiving, two touchdowns against the Cardinals. OBJ right now, game time decision for Thursday. And then Peoples Jones, he had 12 points the previous week against the Chargers. I really like him moving forward just in terms of his usage in the offense, especially with with so many pieces banged up. I mean, the Browns aren't even going to be running the ball all that much with with. Kareem Hunt, I think he's on IR, and Chubb is also dealing with some with some issues. So I expect Baker to be to be airing it out a little bit more. And I think Peoples Jones is is he flashed at times last season, kind of been flying under the radar so far up until this point. But I think he has the makings of of a, a quality receiver that Baker can rely on for the future. And I think depending on on how he plays moving forward. He might be the reason why Odell's gone next season. I do like Peoples Jones. I especially if Jarvis Landry isn't activated. We don't know that right now. What mm-hmm. we do know, and this is really new, so maybe I'm breaking some news for you. Uh, Case Keenum is starting. Baker's not going to. Oh, play. that's right. With the with the shoulder issue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's fresh right. out. And now there's news that Teddy Bridgewater and Garrett Bowles may not play. It could be one pandemonium, like you said. Heck of a defensive battle, the pandemonium on Thursday night football. Wouldn't be a Thursday night football game uh, without it. So we'll keep it going. Still doing 10 takes on 10 takes. Then we'll get into some players to buy and sell. Yeah, another Giants wide receiver. We talked about Tony earlier in the podcast. What about Sterling Shepard? Man, I am so happy Shepard is balling out. He was a draft crush of mine coming out of Oklahoma in 2016, and he should be locked in your lineups. Forget his usage amongst his own team. Shepard saw the third most targets in the league in week six. And while a slew of injuries paved the way for a few extra targets, Shepard did see 19 targets through the season's first two games. He's also averaging nearly 92% of the team's snaps when healthy. So he's definitely someone who will be hard to keep out of your fantasy lineups moving forward. Uh, Obviously, there's hope that he doesn't get banged up again. But for week seven, definitely, I'm trying to get him in my lineup, and you should too. Yeah, Shepard's just a model of consistency. I, I always felt like he was slept on. In terms of like, oh, mm-hmm. the Giants need to draft another wide receiver in, in this upcoming draft. They have lack of a uh, number one target. And yet there's Shepard still like waiting for his chance. I've, I feel like he he's, hasn't emerged as like an alpha wide out by, by no means. But I mean, he's like, I'd say he's a quality like Marvin Jones-esque wide receiver for his, his time in the league so far. He's kind of been a good possession guy for them. Like he, he's been the security mm-hmm. blanket of that offense in a sense. And speaking of security blankets, that's really what Jalen Waddle's been. And then some, he has probably been one of the lone positives of the Dolphins season so far. What do you think about him for fantasy and managers? Yeah, I like him. I just, I don't think there's enough like volume every single week for him to be like emerge into that top echelon of, of pass catchers, because for the second time this season, Waddle caught at least 10 passes that happened in the international game against Jacksonville. The other one happened against the Raiders, but in neither of those games, he has eclipsed 70 yards. So in fact, Waddle has yet to gain more than 70 yards in a game this season. So that just shows you like his, his usage, right? I mean, he's going to catch double digit receptions every once in a while, but I don't think there's enough room for him to really like take off and, and, and really put like put the dolphins on his back personally. Mm -hmm so to say. I don't know. I feel like his usage is working to his advantage because of how he's not necessarily the slot receiver there, but he plays a lot of time there. They're really manufacturing the touches for him. Um, you know, Mike Asiki is a big slot guy too. That's kind of one of the reasons why he's starting to see a big slot uptick and a lot of injuries in that Dolphins receiving core too. So I kind of like Waddle. I don't think he's a must start every week, but he's mm-hmm. one of those guys like maybe against Atlanta if your team is ravaged by bye weeks as a lot of teams are i could see you slot him in your lineup and not just for this week uh two more players left for 10 takes here got a tight end for each of us so you want to go first or me who do you who wants to why don't you give me a player and then I'll yeah, give yeah. I'll, I'll give you zach Ertz, who is just recently traded to high octane cliff kingsbury like air raid offense how do you think he's going to shape up for kyler 
I think he'll be fine. I'm not expecting greatness. And it's kind of interesting that the Cardinals targeted their tight ends at the lowest rate thus far this season. And it's not hard to see why. There are a lot of mouths to feed. They have three players over 30 targets, six over 28. But that offense is clicking. I always say you got to buy shares of good offense. And now that Max Williams is out for the season, we've seen a couple weeks where he's been really involved. I like Ertz in the offense. I think it's kind of come to the point where he should definitely be rostered. Listen, there are like six to seven tight ends you can start each week. And even then, only two have posted double-digit scoring weeks every game except one, and that's Kelsey and Andrews. So I like Ertz. I think it'll be a top 15 tight end because, again, tight ends suck for the most part in fantasy. (laughs) Uh, But he should be a top 15 tight end by season's end. I'm not, like, too eager to start him just yet. But I think a role in the red zone is definitely possible. I know A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins kind of do that type of work for Arizona. But Ertz is just in a good enough situation, and he's talented enough to the point where he's rosterable, definitely someone I would consider starting based on a matchup. I just want to see how he really meshes with the team this week. Yeah, I mean, the reason why tight ends aren't used a lot in Arizona is because usually they're in there to block mm-hmm. for, for Kyler in terms of just th- that's how the air raid is designed. You just have all your, all your pass catchers go on their different route concepts and, and just leave the tight end there on the line to block. But I think uh, I like what you said about the red zone, especially since tight ends are seeming to be like super touchdown dependent this season. Mm-hmm. If your goal as a defensive coordinator is to lock up Hopkins lock up AJ Green and then watch out for, you know, a rotating Chase Edmonds out of the backfield or a Rondale Moore streaking across the formation, then you're probably going to get forced to put a linebacker on Ertz. And I think Mm -hmm. that is a very, very good matchup for Arizona moving forward if, if they find themselves in those situations. Yeah, there are a lot of tight ends in situations like that where they're kind of being asked to block more so. Uh, One tight end who is treated more like a receiver in his respective offense is Noah Fant. I would love to get your opinions on him because I am asked about Fant probably more so than any tight end not named. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about him? He had 11 targets as I mean, he's one of Bridgewater Bridgewater's favorite you know, pass catchers in that offense. But I, I don't know if I expect that to continue, especially I think this is the last week until Judy comes back. And then I expect Judy to, you know, take a significant target share in this offense. So, I mean, I, I, what, what do you think? I, I don't think Fant will be like all that viable once Judy comes back. I do agree to an extent because I've never really been on the Broncos offense train i guess for lack of a better term uh but he's like again he's fine enough like where he should be rostered you just can't rely on him to start every week especially when judy comes back and he could come back as early as this week or it could take another week or two so i fancy someone i really wouldn't want or be too eager to have on my lineup speaking of that why don't we use that as a segue for this next segment the most sought-after segment in Breakout Football Podcast history. So many questions about players to trade for, players to sell, all this trade talk, and we are more than happy to oblige. So why don't we get into buy or sell? We each have a player we think you should buy and a player you should sell. Cole, why don't you kick things off with a player you think fantasy managers should buy? Yeah, it's that time of the season, I think. Y'all should buy Daryl Williams because, okay, we're, we're going to do this like a multiple choice test, like your SAT, right? A, it. he got 21 carries in his first game filling in for CEH. B, he was used in the passing game. I think CEH only had eight catches on the season. Williams had four targets and caught three of them. C, he scored twice on the ground, something Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was unable to do before he was lost for a few weeks and d with the way williams is playing i'm not really sure if ceh gets his job back to the extent that he had before he went down because if williams is more productive in those situations and at the goal line then i mean really why would you play him or why would you play ceh over him that's spicy that is spicy first round running back Daryl Williams, late round pick. He might have been undrafted, to be honest. I need to fact check that. 
I like that a lot. That's a good one. Because even then, especially with bye weeks coming up, you got to find a starting running back somehow. And chances are someone who picked up Williams has some good running backs. Go trade them. It's all about playing the league. If there's one player that you should trade for right now, it should be Calvin Ridley. I was deciding between should I talk about Ridley or DJ Moore, but I opted with Ridley because he's scored fewer points, so he may be an easier player to buy. And as you know, we have been a pro Calvin Ridley podcast since day one. We said he could be the wide receiver one, and he has not lived up to those expectations. (laughs) Not entirely his fault, though, because despite being tied for the third most targets per game, He's not lived up to that. He is what wide receiver 15 or 16 in points per game right now. And despite being seeing such a huge target share, the Falcons are probably going to be losing a lot. That means they're throwing the ball a lot. And Atlanta is already second in pass attempts per game. So what's the issue? Expectations. I'm a huge opponent of high expectation because you do that, you will constantly get burned. And look, Ridley is, has a range of 10 to 19 points right now, averaging 14.63 points. That's fine. You just probably drafted him, expecting him to eclipse his 18.8 points per game from last season. He's a great player to trade for. I expect the production to match the usage. And who knows? Maybe he'll get a coveted post by week bump. Those things are real. Definitely look to trade for Calvin Ridley right now. Yeah, I mean, you have that week off. You go back to the drawing board make adjustments i could definitely see that happening and like you said like the problem isn't the targets aren't coming like he has a massive target share we expected that with him being the number one option in atlanta just the problem has just been that connection and the falcons just putting themselves in a hole early in games and then the game script just becomes super obvious for the defense um yeah, I mean, it's it's just disappointing to see as as a pro Calvin Ridley podcast, mm. but hopefully things get turned around. So we talked about some players to buy. We each got a player to sell. Cole, who's a player you're trying to get off your roster? Yep, sell Amari Cooper. Move out the way. Mm. It's, it's C.D. Lamb's time to shine at the star. Cooper has come back down to earth since his week one explosion against the Bucks. He had damn near like 40 points he had another disappointing performance five for 55 against the patriots isn't really performing better than your week-to-week sleeper on your bench like if if you have a good matchup with you know one of the lower end wide receivers on your roster that is favorable i would honestly play that person over cooper at this point because in ppr leagues cooper hasn't been a top 24 fantasy finisher since that matchup against the Bucks in week one. And I think he's he's also dealing with, with some sort of injury that's slowing him down, which is kind of odd because his injury report has been pretty clean this season, but I definitely think he's he's dealing with something that's nagging him. That's funny because I wanted to talk about Cooper a lot too. And basically for all the reasons you said, I went a different direction though. I went with Adam Thielen and I'm not saying Thielen is a must sell. He's wide receiver 13 in points per game. I think he's wide receiver 11 in total points, but you know, with the buys now starting to churn in, it's much better to look at averages than totals. And again, that's great production on the surface, but it is so frustrating in redraft leagues, which are the main normal leagues. If you have best ball where it really only depends if they ball out every couple of weeks, that's great because one week you'll get, 29.8 points from Adam Thielen. Another week, he will get you six points. The same thing happened last year. Thielen is just not a reliable starter every week, despite being a top 12 receiver. And he can still finish that high. I just prefer consistency. And I think you should too, because again, it's pretty set in stone that he's not going to be great every week. And it's especially true while Jefferson continues to see more targets. So I'd look to sell Thielen, especially after his big performance. And look, I'm not saying I might have cursed players because the last two players I said to sell high both got hurt. Um, so hopefully hopefully Thielen does stay healthy enough. We, we obviously don't want to root for injuries. We never will. Um, but I do think Thielen is someone that's just too frustrating to have in your lineup. Even if he wins you certain weeks, he might cost you some other weeks. Try to sell high on Thielen right now. Yeah, we don't. We definitely don't like those volatile boomer bust receivers, mm-hmm. and we certainly don't like Zach Cohen, the prophet, out here predicting <laughs> predicting injuries. No, nah, nope, nope, no injury predictions here. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't want that curse on me. Well, yeah, those are some buy or sell players to talk about. Now we got, as always, fan Q&A, five questions. We'll rotate asking the questions, getting through all these questions sent throughout the social media realm, starting with Instagram. This one's a start sit one. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I've got to get your opinion from Bradley Schimmel with Kareem and Shubb both out. Who's the better play, da Ernest Johnson or Demetric Felton? Metric, Demetric, you get the Dude, point. I don't, I don't even know how to answer this. I, I, to be honest, I don't even really know the Browns' depth past those those two guys. I mean, I feel like that is their depth. I, I feel like I've, I feel like I've heard Felton's name more. So, <laughs> so that would prompt me to say him just because I've heard his name more, and that correlates with more usage, I guess. So I, I guess him, but to me, it's a dice roll. I think they're both going to be kind of overrated going into the game because this is a very yeah. good Broncos defense. And this offensive line is banged up. The whole offense is banged up. You just kind of zone in and rush the passer, rush the backfield. I do think Johnson is likely in line for more carries as the primary back. Let's say he's the, he's the, the beta Nick Chubb. He's the Nick Chubb replacement, whereas Felton is more the Kareem Hunt replacement because he's kind of the receiving back there. He was a former receiver at UCLA. The Browns converted him to running back, and they actually played him 12 snaps as a receiver, hmm. whereas Johnson got 12 snaps as a running back in the last game. So Johnson seems safer just because you know he probably will get the carries, but there is such a big toss-up with either of these guys. I think you should probably maybe start Johnson if you need a running back like many of you probably do but I don't know my gut feeling is saying Felton's gonna outscore Johnson but there are so many variables in this like maybe Felton could sneakily put up more points but for now I'm like look if you got to start either of them I'm so sorry for you Johnson's probably a bit safer Felton probably has a little bit more upside I mean, I also think it depends on the game script, which is kind of mm. how it plays out between Chubb and, and Kareem mm. Hunt, right? Yeah. And, I, I, I mean, Denver is at Cleveland. They're playing at home. Do we really expect Cleveland to, like, run up the score against the Broncos with so many players injured, not even their starting quarterback at the helm? I, I say I say roll with Felton just because I feel like Denver's going to keep it close and, and they're going to need him to – uh, you know, be in there on passing downs and move the chains. Yeah, that's a good point. So I kind of took the words right out of my mouth. So it can't really go wrong. It might not go right for you, but I don't know, man. The Browns, the Browns right now, God, they, uh, they need bubble wrap. They need Yeah, for sure. Wrap. I want to get to this next question about a player who also could use some bubble wrap. Mm. Yeah, and next question from TikTok, underscore Noah. 103 i believe should i trade saquon barkley i I assume this is a i assume this is a dynasty league maybe i don't know well that's a complicated question based on whatever format it is because it depends on your team i wouldn't say barkley is someone who is a must trade but he's definitely someone as is every player on your team he's someone you should gouge interest in especially if your team is bad Look, fantasy football, we know, is about measuring risk versus reward. If you're a bad team, the risk of having a top player burn a hole in your roster is probably not worth it. You should sell him for players who you can use ASAP because you need the wins, and you need the wins now. That's if your team's bad because you don't have time to wait to see when he'll be healthy. Now, if you're a good team and have good bench players who you don't use often, Hell yeah, go take a gamble on Barkley. Why not? If he doesn't pay off, your team's still probably good. Of course, that may not apply to every team, but that's generally what you should do. Now, putting my doctor hat on real quick, he didn't practice Wednesday. He's probably not returning this week, but he could return next week. So it's one of those players you just got to keep an eye on. I do have general concerns about his durability. He hasn't played a full season since 2018. So he's not someone I'd feel totally confident in having on my team right now. Yeah, I mean, I just remember reading articles about Barkley's approach sort of to to maintaining his body and basically just because he's like so freaking jacked and just so <laughs> powerful what they're trying to do is not trying to add like more muscle onto Barkley's body but they're just trying to keep 
his like muscles pliable, flexible, kind of in the same way like TB12 that or Tom Brady is 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 managing his body through the TB12 method, and just huh. in terms of just like keeping keeping his his body not tight, right? And I right. feel like ever since that article has come out, we have seen sort of those, those issues arise where, where Barkley's body has just been, been failing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really to no fault of his own, some like injuries are just part of football. And, and sometimes they just happen in, in the most freakish of ways. But I, I definitely have the same concerns about his <clears throat> durability because it feels like that's like the only thing holding Barkley back. He's always going to be that explosive running back with good vision, with, you know, those, those highlight inducing hurdles, but, the only thing that can really bring him to his knees is something that really isn't out of his control. Yeah. That really is out of his control. My bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's almost perfect. Exactly. <laughs> it was good enough, man. We, we, we strive for, perf- we strive for perfection. We'll fail, but Hey, we'll at least be excellent. Next question <laughs> on Twitter at Cameron Seaman, Eckler, Taylor and Jefferson. For Henry, Jay Robinson, and Chase. Who wins? Oh. So I believe he has the Eckler side. He has Austin mm-hmm. Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, and Justin Jefferson. You could trade them for Derrick Henry, James Robinson, and Jamar Chase. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's enticing because Henry is by far and away the best running back in fantasy football this season. Mm-hmm. I think he has 10, he has 10 touchdowns on the season. I think that's what more than double any other running back. Yeah, Derrick Henry is far and away the best running back in football right now. From but to me, like perspective and Eckler, Eckler, Taylor, and Jefferson, and, and you're getting Robinson as as your new RB two, which is just like gross in my opinion. You you the Jaguars are just so weak to weak at this point. I I feel like I'm sticking with the Eckler, Taylor, and Jefferson side. I think you just stand pat. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because at first I was like, this is as close as it can get. Like, what's really the game here? So let's break it down. I'd rather have Henry than Eckler, but those are the two running backs who I would want on my team more than anyone right now. So it's not like Mm -hmm. disparaging Eckler. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's one and two right there. Come on. Taylor versus Robinson is interesting because on the surface, Jonathan Taylor seems like a better player, better offense, allegedly. Taylor is not seeing as much usage overall, but the production is similar. So I feel like I would give a slight edge to Robinson, actually, because he is seeing more snaps. He's seeing a little more work in the receiving game. Jefferson versus Chase seems closer as Chase is wide receiver seven and Jefferson is wide receiver eight in points per game. But Chase's schedule is about to get a lot tougher and he's seeing fewer targets per game. So I'd rather have Jefferson. So I would, mm-hmm. let's say, and again, it's not like, again, disparaging, like, oh, like Chase sucks. Like Jonathan Taylor sucks. That's not it. This is extremely close, which is why I wanted to get to this on the podcast. So good question out there on Twitter. And again, if you have any questions, tweet at us at Zach Cohen at the at ham analysis. But I don't know if there's really enough leeway either way. I feel like I maybe would roll with the Henry side just because having running backs who are consistently productive is so valuable. Like Henry's the best running back in the country right now, but I'm really Mm -hmm. torn. I feel like there's no wrong answer for that. The only like big thing is like, I really would rather have Jefferson over chase. Yeah. I think just, uh, I think we both agree on like Robinson's kind of the, kind of the wild card, like that second running back spot is, is what's in question right now. And I, I just like ever, ever since urban Myers, like usage of him early in the season and and just his plans for the offense in in general with what Robinson's role was going to be I just have never really felt comfortable rolling out Robinson every single week as 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 my running back too and with with Taylor like I know he's a supremely better like yeah I I would say supremely more athletic football player than Robinson and I feel like with Indianapolis's inconsistency in the passing game, they're going to need to rely on the run in order to get that going. Yeah, it's a fair point. Like they're both just not really truly being maximized. But I feel like Robinson is closer to being maximized. So mm-hmm. there were three questions down. We got two more. Why don't you read off the next one before we wrap things up ahead of week seven? Yep. From TikTok, A24272. A lot of twos. Mm-hmm. Start Jamison Crowder or Rashad Bateman. 
question mark adds on bye week is killing me this week bye week's killing everyone Thanos snap out there baby with all the, the decimation across lineups I've seen some horror stories across fantasy lineups right now uh I'm assuming this is full PPR I tend to go with Crowder because he plays in the slot, which is a much safer role to be in. And the Jets do have a higher chance of playing from behind, hence more passes. The real issue here is there's a lot of uncertainty between the two because Crowder's only played two games this year. Bateman's only played one. Uh, I do like that Crowder saw the first and the second most targets respectively in his two games. I feel like he's got a bit more certainty baked in. I feel a little bit more comfortable with him, but it's really, really close. Like again, Bateman could pop off. We don't know. It'd be a second game ever, but I think Crowder over time has proven to be kind of a more reliable. So I think Crowder may be the option that I would go with. Yeah, I think I'd roll with Browder as well. Um, I like what you said about them playing from behind at New England, always a tough place to play. Um, I, I guess the only reason I'd, I'd entertain Bateman is he's probably going to be facing William Jackson III, who's the fourth lowest graded cornerback in the NFL by pro football focus this season. Mm. And so there's an opportunity for him there to maybe catch the veteran off guard there. So, but I, I'd probably roll with Crowder as well. It, when it's bye weeks, you want consistent production, um, even if they're not going to like maybe meet their their projection. You at least want mm-hmm. some points on the board from from whoever you're putting in to fill mm-hmm. in. Yeah, but I feel like Bateman does have the higher upside. I do like that you used a PFF stat there because foreshadowing, barring something crazy, our guest next week from Pro Football Focus. Let's get hyped. As we get hyped with our final question, it was such a disappointing segue. I regret doing that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> Not BFP handshake PFF, right? <laughs> well, this is the last one from TikTok. Adam Wiffles, 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 start at Chuba Hubbard or Brandon Cooks at your flex spot. I want to say it's Wiffles because like W-Y-F-F-E-L-S, but like, I don't know, maybe, uh, hey, Adam, if you're listening, let us know. As for your question, I feel like Chuba's safer but Cooks is a bit more boomer bust is Houston. We know is probably going to be throwing a lot playing Arizona. The Panthers not really sure what to expect against the giants the giants defense isn't great, but it's not no walk in the park either. So I feel like it kind of depends on your roster. You know, Chuba is going to get the carries, you know, he's going to get the touches cooks normally gets the targets two weeks ago. He didn't really get many. I think he put up like lower than 10 points, which is kind of like the benchmark I use for determining whether, a, uh, you know, a player was good that week. So I feel like Chuba's safer. If you feel like you have a lot of risk in your lineup, then you might as well just go get a guy you know is going to get the ball at a high enough rate in Hubbard. If your team feels like you're a lot safe, maybe it's a bad team, it's a bad week, you really need to shoot for upside, like you're playing a good team, Cooks could be that guy. So it kind of depends on your roster there. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather have someone, like I said, in the bye weeks that is going to get volume, is going to, you know, put points on the board. And I think that's Chuba Hubbard this week. Yeah, well, there it is. That is our show ahead of week seven. As always, I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network. That is Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. Uh, at Zach Cohen, FB, Z-A-C-H-C-O-H-E-N-F-B. Cole Topham, at Ham Analysis. H-A-M-A-N-A-L-Y-S-I-S, just playing it safe. You know, you never know these days. Got to <laughs> work both sides. Last week, I didn't spell out either. This week, I'm spelling them both out. So, who knows? Who knows? Just, man, I still just can't get over the top of the hour news, like about the Watson rumors and stuff. If that yeah. happens. That I was surprised how much of an impact it had on our on our podcast this week because we talked about a lot of Dolphins players mm-hmm. uh, throughout so I mean, right. it, there could be implications for for all of these all these players that we talked about. I do find it interesting that Houston wouldn't want Tua back, and I guess I can see why because they may just have a top pick and opt to go with a quarterback. But this year's class really isn't that great. Like, if you want to buy Tua for like a year or so, see what you got, like this year and next year, then punt to the twenty twenty three draft. Makes sense to me, but. If there were a trade to go down, it seems like, and there seems to be enough smoke to say that there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably think Tua's going to like Washington if I had to plant my flag right now, yeah. which would then help out guys like Terry McLaurin. Ding, ding, ding. Maybe you should trade for him now. Get ahead of the game. Yeah, I would. I would like to see that. I, I, I'm not even sure if this like 
this quarterback class is definitely weaker in terms of it's mm-hmm. um like where the quarterbacks are in their development phase. But I feel like if they're in the league in the right situations that it could be like, it could be pretty special. Cause I, I feel like a lot of these quarterbacks have been hindered by a year of COVID and, you know, haven't really had that adequate like year of game experience of like true game experience where they had to deal with, with like all the elements that play into a football game. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's, it's going to be a real test of, of how well coaching staffs can develop these gunslingers. So, I mean, I like, I like Matt Corral in Houston. I like Desmond Ritter in Houston as well. I, I feel like those two would, would mesh pretty well with what Houston has tried to build around Deshaun Watson. Off the top of my head, I don't love any quarterback, but I feel like QB1 will probably end up being Matt Corral. But, hey, mm-hmm. we'll get to that more later on because yep. right now you hear that. We don't, but you do, our beloved listener, who should 100% leave a review The outro music is playing. Feel free to leave a rating, drop a review. We may read it on the podcast. We may not. We hold that power. As always on the Breakout Football Podcast, we appreciate you. Feel free to drop any questions you want on the social media we provided like a minute ago or whatever. And stay tuned until next week. I still can't believe I did this with a sore throat. I didn't even know that. (laughs) Yep, this is... uh, Definitely about to go douse some uh, some honey down, like on a spoon or something. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Let's wrap this up, baby. We got uh, some Thursday night football to prep for tomorrow. So that's our yeah, show. Yeah, for sure. See you next week. Go catch some dubs, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.